It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 345 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, June 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You, of course, can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. Tons of stuff across the network right now covering the finals, covering the pre-draft process. Uh, Locked on NBA today with Anthony Irwin and Adam Matas was really good if you want to check that out. Uh, And coming up, I believe starting next week, we will be starting the Locked on NBA mock draft. Uh, Much like like we did last year, we'll do five straight days, six picks a day throughout the entire first round with the different hosts representing the GMs for each team. I don't have a pick this year. Uh, I'm going to try to trade in perhaps. And uh, there's actually a question about that in today's podcast, so I'll I'll save that for later. But uh, stay tuned for the Locked On NBA mock draft. I think starting on the 13th, so make sure you're you have that re- you're subscribed to the feed and all that stuff and ready to get that into you because it's really great. It was like our most listened to show last year as well, uh, maybe our most listened to shows of all time. So make sure you're checking those out. They're a lot of fun. A lot of thought goes into them. A lot of work goes into them, uh, and they're fun to do. And here's hoping I can trade in and make a pick as well. Uh, also, make sure you're subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. It's the best way to support the show. Please, uh, it's, it's, it takes no time at all. It's five seconds and uh, five stars, a couple of comments uh, here and there. It, it's, uh, it's very good for the ego. It's very good for the algorithms and all that stuff. Uh, so thank you in advance for doing that. Also, with apologies in advance. I'm still kind of sick. I missed the podcast on Wednesday because I couldn't really talk and, or breathe. Uh, still kind of dealing with that, with that today. So uh, apologies if I take weird pauses because I'm out of breath because my nose is really stuffed up right now. Uh, either way, let's get to the podcast. Today we're doing a mailbag show. Uh, I got a bunch of questions, mostly about LeBron James, which is super fun and weird and uh, high in the sky, but it's going to be great. Uh, also, we're going to probably talk a little bit about... Uh, the offseason and just sort of the philosophy behind it and all that stuff. Uh, again, there's a question about the Lockdown NBA mock draft. I'll kind of spin that into a question about the Raptors' approach to the draft and uh, a few other questions sprinkled in here as well. Maybe we'll get a couple stragglers as I'm recording. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today. Guys, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color. Bluechew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, like Flintstones vitamins, it's so easy, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, you don't have to be that awkward dude on that commercial that's been playing during the finals all, all, all playoffs long, or I guess it's been the finals, but it's been like the last couple weeks, it's just, it's non-stop. You don't have to be that guy. And best of all, there's no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code NBA. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's 
B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code NBA to try it free. Once again, prescribed online, no trips to the pharmacy, no more awkwardness. BlueChew.com, promo code NBA to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, uh, let's get to today's mailbag uh, questions. There's a few. Some of them are overlapping. I said LeBron James-related questions, uh, totally acceptable, because there was a weird fun report yesterday out that uh, I I don't know if it means anything. Uh, Chris Haynes from ESPN was on a podcast talking about potential LeBron locations, and just as like a little throwaway, he threw out LeBron James to the Raptors as like a dark horse contender. Let's get it all out of the way first. This is probably not going to happen. Most, I would say like 99.9% chance this is not going to happen. Uh, A, the Raptors have a lot of money tied up and a lot of guys, as we've talked about routinely over the last couple weeks. Uh, Also, I can't really see LeBron wanting to come to the team that he's destroyed the last three years in the playoffs. That feels like a weird move for him, but who knows? Uh, And it just, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. There are other teams out there with more star talent, with more available, available roster spots and salary cap space and all that stuff to maybe make a move for LeBron. The Raptors, I think, maybe are a little bit young in terms of the the guys who would comprise most of a potential LeBron supporting cast, unless we can get to why this, you know, potentially would be a thing in the favor of the Raptors. Maybe you could trade that for stuff. We'll get to that when the questions come through. Uh, But that was fun, at least, to hear yesterday that uh, they were mentioned in a piece the real GM post and a couple of the other posts that came out like weren't all that encouraging. It was like one sentence throwaway. Let's talk about LeBron to the Celtics now. Uh, but still, it's kind of cool to see the Raptors named in that sort of milieu of teams. Either way, it's probably not going to happen, but there's a few questions about that. Uh, let's get to one here, actually. First question here comes from uh, Matt Collins. When LeBron signs, will he take a salary cut to leave salary cap space for any of his banana boat buds? Uh... I don't think LeBron's taking a salary a cut anywhere. I think he's going to get paid his full value because he should. He's LeBron James and to in order to continue to exercise his power as the most powerful and influential player in the NBA, maybe professional sports, it kind of behooves him to take all the money he possibly can and continue the trend of players exercising their agency in the you know in the search of getting paid. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to take a salary cut salary cut to go Anywhere, um, even if it's like Houston or something like that, he's going to find a way to get paid and everyone else on the team will get paid after him. Um, So yeah, I think that's definitely an obstacle in front of the Raptors. Uh, A similar question along the same lines. This one comes from Dustin Nielsen. Uh, If the Raptors get LeBron, can they move Lowry, DeRozan, and JV to create room for George Hill, J.R. Smith, and Tristan Thompson? Ha 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 ha. Very funny. (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, here's the thing with LeBron. It's not going to happen, as I said off the top, but you could make a logical argument that the Raptors aren't a terrible location for LeBron to go. Of the teams in the league, you could probably make an argument that they're like a top 10 destination. Whether or not that gets them in a room, gets them a phone call, who knows? We know Drake and, and LeBron kind of have a relationship and they've partnered with together on things before. So maybe there's something there. I doubt it. Again, like all of this is a giant grain of salt that it, you know it was just thrown away as a line by Chris Haynes. And I'm sure he was pretty... Like, I'm sure he's not psyched that it got taken and run with by aggregators, but hey, here we are, and we get to talk about it, because what the hell else are we going to talk about on June 8th, when the finals are about to be over in a sweep, and the Raptors haven't done anything for a while, don't have a head coach, um, so we're going to talk about this, but if you're going to make a case for LeBron coming to the Raptors, and why it would make sense, 
I think it probably revolves around just sort of the stableness of the organization. You know, he was just with the Cavs for four years under Dan Gilbert uh, and with just like constant soap operas going on in that locker room. The Raptors are one of the more stable teams in the, in the league. They have made the playoffs five straight years. Masai Ujiri is not going anywhere uh, and he just seems to have a really good handle. He's like sort of a big pillar for the organization that everything else kind of hangs off of uh, and he, he's a great foundation to have. Obviously not having a head coach changes things but hey maybe you can sort of sell LeBron on being able to handpick the next coach I don't know that's just me spitballing here um you know it's not like there's not talent on the team obviously Kyle and Damar you know maybe you have to move Damar in order to make this happen maybe there's like a sign and trade situation because that really seems like the only way not a sign and trade an opt-in and trade situation that really seems like the only way that LeBron's going to go to another team is you know because of the lack of salary cap space around the league and just because of how successful it was for Chris Paul last year and the sort of amount the Rockets didn't have to get up to bring him in, maybe the Cavs kind of try to go somewhere that way as well, where they can try to get some stuff back because, you know, the Rockets still gave up picks and young players and stuff. Uh, and, you know, it, it was kind of mutually beneficial because Chris Paul was going to leave anyway. So maybe LeBron opts in, he goes to a team, and he's not going to go to a team that's completely just stripped bare because of the, the burden that signing him brings. Um, but also, you know, the Cavs can get something back. Maybe there's a, a more of a sort of tenable, um, you know, amenable finish to their, to their relationship. I don't know. But um, my point is there. Sorry, I'm going all over the place here. My point is there, you know, if the Raptors are going to get into this into this conversation, it has to be a sign and trade, and, and or not a sign and trade. God, you're an idiot, Sean. An opt-in and trade, uh, and maybe Demar's the guy that goes the other way to match salaries. That's a possibility, I suppose. Demar's salary is huge, and if the Cavs want to sort of maintain some semblance of respectability, having Demar DeRozan on their team definitely goes a long way to helping that. Um, obviously, they're not the contender that they were with LeBron, but if LeBron was going to leave anyway, maybe this is a little consolation prize for them. Um, and then from there, maybe the Raptors work to move off of Serge Ibaka or something like that. Or maybe Ibaka and LeBron works together as a pairing. I don't know. Um, you know, that that's... <laughs> we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. But um, yeah, the, the situation in Toronto is pretty good compared to a lot of teams. Like even the Sixers right now, it's kind of an awkward fit. The Ben Simmons thing is weird and sort of the styles of play are kind of... Uh, I'm not sure how they would blend between Simmons and LeBron. And then you kind of factor in the fact that like they don't have a GM right now. Maybe David Griffin changes that and makes them the obvious candidate, but that's still to be seen. Zach Lowe mentioned that an internal hire could very much be on the table there, considering they've had so much you know front office turnover the last couple seasons. Um, so keep an eye on that, I suppose. But um, you know, you look around the other teams in the league that are potential LeBron destinations, and like the Lakers, for example, have been bad for a long time. Um, yes, they can kind of be a clean slate for LeBron and trade everyone away and just kind of let LeBron construct his team, but that's difficult, and you have to sort of convince a lot of guys to do that, and I guess you could convince a lot of guys to come play with LeBron, but uh, it's difficult to build a roster from zero, um, and, and I'm not sure how you know equipped their front office is to do that. I mean, we haven't really seen Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson do a whole lot in terms of you know, big game hunting so far. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe they're, maybe that's not quite their forte. I don't know. Uh, maybe they're not the best. I mean, I'm sure Polinka's well-versed with, you know, the CBA and trying to, you know, find every loophole, but, um, it, it remains to be seen if the Lakers have proper front office management. Um, obviously the Rockets, I mentioned them, like they seem like the most logical destination from like a go there and win a title standpoint, but they are also in a crazy cap situation that the Raptors look at and are probably like envious or the, the, the Rockets would look at the Raptors and be envious, um, considering the amount of money they're about to owe Chris Paul and all the stuff they have to consider with 
you know, Ryan Anderson's contract on the books and Trevor Ariza being a free agent. Um, there's a lot to f- factor in there for, for the Rockets and they would have to gut their team, you know, c- quite a bit in order to make LeBron happen. Um, and then there's just like not a lot of teams out there that you could re- realistically see LeBron saying, hey, like I can go there and win. Like if he wants to stay in the Eastern Conference, the Raptors, you know, just won 59 games. Obviously the calculus changes if you get rid of DeMar or whatever, but if you're bringing in LeBron to replace DeMar and you have the young guys improving, whatever, um, maybe you can sell yourself on that being a better team than it was last year and sort of being just like an easy easy run to the finals type of team um, when you factor in OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam getting better. Obviously, the Celtics are always going to be a problem, but um, yeah, I, I just think if you're looking for an Eastern Conference team, it, the list of options is not very big for LeBron to go to and sort of maintain an obvious path to the finals. Um, so yeah, the Raptors should be on the short list there. Again, it's not going to happen, but if you're going to lay out the case, that's sort of it. Um, and it kind of is a case for organizational stability that doesn't quite exist on a lot of other teams around the league. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Next question here is from Killa Pascal. Uh, You're going to try to trade your way into the Locked On draft. Um, This is kind of, I'll just use this to dovetail into what I think the Raptors should do and sort of how I think they'll approach the the first round or the draft this season. Again, they don't have a pick. They traded away their picks for PJ Tucker or getting rid of Damari Carroll or to get Serge Ibaka. Like they're, they're bereft of picks right now, but that's, you know, it doesn't have to be the case. There are guys on the team that maybe you could consider possibly trading to get a, a pick. Maybe you buy a second round pick. Uh, you just call up the bulls and say, Hey, you want three and a half million dollars and the bulls will just hand you a pick. Um, there's always ways to get into the draft if there's a guy they really like. And, like, I kind of don't mind the idea of Masai not trading anything, keeping all of his cards, and then just buying into the second round because he's been a good drafter uh, late in the first round, and that would conceivably translate to early in the second round as well. Um, you know, he's obviously found guys after the draft, too, with Fred Van Vliet, later in the draft with Norman Powell. Uh, he's pretty good at this stuff, and he's good at identifying sort of diamond-in-the-rough talent. At least he has shown a, a track, record, track record of doing so. You can always miss on the next guy. But I kind of trust Masai's judgment when it comes to these late, late first round or early second round type of range guys. Um, so maybe Masai tries to do that. And maybe that's as simple as it is. He'll buy a pick and that'll be it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. For me, if I can, if I'm going from like what I would do as the Raptors GM, it's really hard because we've talked about sort of the complications that come from trading a lot of the Raptors players. And I just don't really see an obvious guy that's going to net you a good first round pick or even a first round pick, period. Jonas Valanciunas is the easy guy, as I've talked about. He's probably the easiest of the big salary guys to move just based on maintaining competitiveness next season and just sort of trying to get value back instead of just trading just just to trade. Jonas just had a season that might be worthy of some team being out there going say and saying, hey, like let's not draft a player. Let's just get Jonas on our team. We'll pay him for the next couple of years and maybe he can really help us win. Um, again, I'm not really sure around the league what teams kind of fit that bill. It's not like a, a common situation where a team needs a $17 million center, but maybe there's one out there that, that is really just pining over Jonas and you can get a late first round pick for him. I don't really see that being the case. And then when it comes to Damar and Kyle, like you could probably get first round picks for them, maybe. 
just depending on what the other return to the deal would be, you'd probably get a first round pick and like a bad contract back of some sort, uh, which might not be enough. And I personally would not say that's enough. I would say that definitely don't do that. If you're trying to maintain being competitive next season, which I think they should do, uh, I just don't see how that is a starter. I think that's just kind of a, 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 again, a trade just to make a trade, which I don't think is necessary. Um, you know, you can go a year without having a first round pick. It's not ideal, of course, but the Raptors have enough young guys on the team that it's not like a you know, complete blow to their you know, roster building you know, formula if they don't have a first round pick this season. You know, they have all their picks intact going forward. So maybe that's all they, they really care about. And then you go forward and you just kind of use those picks as you would. You hold on to them like gold and you don't trade them uh, to sort of make up for not having one this year. But uh, yeah, I just I don't think they have to trade into the first round is my point. It, again, if you're looking around at other guys that are on the, on the roster, do you trade one of the young guys for a first round pick? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense because you're hoping that a first round pick becomes a Jakob Pertle or a DeLon Wright. Um, maybe the idea of getting a first round pick who's a little bit further away from getting paid is interesting. So maybe that's where DeLon Wright does come in. I guess if there's another guy, if I was to rank the guys that are most likely on the team to be dealt for a first round pick, you know, factoring in the whole Fred Van Vliet situation and whether or not you think you're going to bring him back, maybe DeLon Wright's a guy who you could kind of view as expendable. If you think you're deep at point guard, if you think you can find a, a third stringer, you know, relatively easily, whether after the draft or, or whatever it might be, or you just have Lorenzo Brown come back next season, um, you know, maybe you, you do look at DeLon before you have to give him an extension and say, all right, let's just deal this guy for a mid to late round first pick, mid to late first round pick and try to sort of replenish the pipe pipeline of young guys with something new maybe you draft a point guard as it is and you just sort of you know run it back with a younger version of what DeLon Wright would be maybe he's further away from from contributing but uh maybe you sort of ease up your your cap burden in the in the coming years uh just with how top heavy you're going to be for the next couple seasons with you know the the big contract you have on board any way you can kick the can down the road on paying the end of bench guys might be, be useful. So maybe that could be a, a way to do it. Maybe I'll try to offer a team a, a DeLon Wright for a first round pick or something like that in the in the locked on draft. Uh, I'm actually definitely going to try that. I'm going to work on that after this. But um, that that that's something I could potentially see. But again, none of this stuff is like, you know, we have no idea what they're thinking. We have no idea. They know more about what they're how they stand with Fred than anybody else. So all this stuff is going to inform their decisions. And I frankly just don't have that inside information. So just once again, this is all purely speculative, but I, I think it's going to be hard to trade into the first rounder because I just most of the Raptors players are either too valuable to just give up for a pick or they're not valuable enough and you might have to attach something to get rid of them as opposed to, uh, you know, trading straight up for a first round pick. Like Serge Ibaka is not that you shit. I'm sorry. It's just not. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, last question here from Ruskin Howard at Ruskin Lee Howard. I hate the term blow it up, but is it time for the Raptors to seriously consider a larger scale reset? If they bring in a new coach from the outside, wouldn't it be best for them to build their roster around his style and system? Some argue that was part of the struggle with Casey. Uh, this is a, I've kind of talked about this a lot over the last couple weeks since the end of the season. Like, I don't think it's time, A, because 
it's hard to do right now financially. You're just kind of locked into some hard-to-move contracts that you're not going to get real value back for. So if you do move any guys, you know, you're getting less than market value back and then you're sort of setting yourself back in your reset or whatever you want to call it, your rebuild, your blow-it-up situation, whatever it is, you're kind of setting yourself back because you're not getting full value back for, you know, what your assets are. Um, and I, I just think, give it a year. Hire a new coach, see what happens, see if he can sort of adapt himself to the players. Maybe the players, you know, I think the players have shown that they're more adaptable, adaptable than maybe we give credit, give them credit for. They, they adapted this season, they completely changed the way they play. The offense ran just beautifully this season in a way that it never had. And like, you have to credit the players for buying into that and being able to sort of fit into that. And yes, there were some quirks and guys who didn't quite fit perfectly. And, and DeMar is always going to have issues in certain offenses because of his offensive limitations, you know, from, from distance and stuff like that. But I think the Raptors kind of show, have shown they're a little bit more malleable than maybe they've been given credit for. So I don't think you just have to like get all new players when you bring in a new coach. I think part of being a good coach is being able to adapt yourself. Um, like I think it's some of the worst coaches out there are ones who are staunch and won't change what makes them them. You know, look at Tom Thibodeau. He just refuses to change and he seems to be lagging behind. Same kind of happened for Stan Van Gundy. He made some poor personnel decisions as well with the with the with the Pistons. But um, I think this is why we kind of see a lot of coaches. You know, decade to decade, there'll be certain guys who kind of float around and get hired and and fired and hired and fired and then just kind of go away after 10 years or so. And I think that's kind of what this is about, is, is these guys, those guys aren't quite as adaptable as maybe the best coaches in the league are. So I think if you're hiring someone, you'd hope that they're able to sort of adapt. And if it doesn't work in the first season, whether just because the, the time has run out on this, on what this team is, and then it's just not going to work with Kyle and Damar at the helm, like you would hope that the new coach you have is capable enough of changing on the fly. And after year one, if it doesn't quite work, you know, being able to pivot to a younger roster and being able to rework things around that. Um, so I, I don't think you have to sort of look for a coach who's just got like this sort of monolith of a system and try to fit players around that. I think a good coach is is more capable of seeing what he has, suiting and sort of tailoring what he does to the talents of the players that he has on hand, as opposed to it being the other way around, as opposed to the, the players having to sort of, you know, conform to whatever the system, the overarching system of the team is going to be. Um, so yeah, and just in terms of the blow it up thing, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's the time. I don't think it's uh, possible, really. You know, I think the way that they've gone about things, and just sort of the way the off season is going to unfold. Like trading these guys is going to be hard because there's not a lot of cap space around the league, and there's so many big fish in the league. If this were a more quiet summer, like say last summer, where there weren't that many big names who were readily available, maybe, and that's crazy because so many big names moved last year, but like those were kind of surprising. Um, if it's a year where like not that many big names are, are available, you don't have the Kawhis, the Paul Georges, the LeBrons out there, the Chris Pauls even, um, who knows what's going to happen with him. Maybe you have more of an opportunity to sort of lead the market and say, all right, we have these two guys that we're dangling. Let's get stuff back for them. Like, that's not the case this season. And, you know, moving Kyle or DeMar, for example, is going to take until well after the free agency dust settles. And by that point, you're dealing with like a limited number of teams that you're going to be talking to. Uh, and you just you're going to be looking at, you know, teams looking at their plan D, plan E, plan G, whatever we're looking at. 
and you know maybe you're not going to get full value back and then you're you're deep into the offseason and you're still sitting there like not really sure what, about where your direction is going to be and your entire free agency period was spent sort of in this limbo of are we going to be able to deal these guys is, is there going to be a situation where you can deal them to so i just think you know overall it just makes more sense to just be patient like you can be patient here not every team is going to win a title every single season and the raptors aren't going to win a title next season but they could be good they can be competitive they could lay the groundwork for whatever the next team is going to be they can lay and like this kind of goes back to what I was talking about off the top like LeBron James is not mentioned as a throwaway line as a, in, a, in a thing as being sort of a dark horse you know the Raptors being a dark horse contender for LeBron that doesn't happen five years ago like even those little sort of nuggets those things that are probably ultimately me- meaningless like these are all products of being a good team for a long time and again like five years ago you're not hearing LeBron James and the Raptors in the same sentence literally ever unless it's uh remember that time Chris Bosh left the Raptors to join LeBron James that was that's pretty much the only time you'd hear those two in the same sentence so for that you know it's a meager step it's pathetic really to be like looking at that as a sign of progress but it really is it really is something that has not happened it's kind of similar to when the Raptors got in the room with LaMarcus Aldridge like you know that was probably never going to happen he was always going to sign with the Spurs or maybe even the Suns that summer that was weird um but like the fact that the Raptors got a meeting that was cool that was something that was unprecedented for the Raptors and was again a byproduct of being good for a long period of time so I think there's always value to being good. There's always value, even if the last few games of the season are miserable and you leave the playoffs unceremoniously, the the, the groundwork you lay for being relevant and competent over the course of the previous six plus months and just sort of every year being reliably good and in the conversation and playing nationally televised games. I mean, the Raptors play more nationally televised games now than they ever have. Even if it's not a very high number, they still get on there four or five times a year. That is positive. That is growth. That is stuff that is sort of a direct result of being good. And to throw that all away at a point where it would be sort of from an asset management perspective, pretty irresponsible to do it. I think it's premature. So that's my answer to that question. I've answered that question a million times already, but it's been a while. So I figured I'd dive back into it and uh, hit the hit the main talking points again. Um, but I think that's going to do it for me today. Apologies if this was a rambling ass podcast that was sounded out of breath because I was out of breath because I can barely breathe. Um, so thanks so much for listening and putting up with it. Uh, I'm going to be back again, I think tomorrow night. Saturday night, I'm going to do an episode with Daniel Hackett from Raptors HQ, the salary cap genius uh, that helps me a lot whenever I'm doing salary cap related stuff. Uh, He's going to be on the podcast. We're going to talk about Kyle Lowry's season. And then I'm aiming for this Sunday to record the Elite Eight of the Locked on Raptors trivia tournament. Uh, So stay tuned for that. If you're a person who is in the tournament, be prepared for a DM from me. Uh, But I think that's all I got for today. Thanks so much for listening. I'm going to try to wrap this thing up here because I'm getting word from on high that the podcasts are too long, which they probably are too long. I talk a lot. Uh, Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on Saturday night with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.